I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, one of my co-hosts' favorite movies of the year so far is coming home. Yes, it is. I'm Jeff Braun, and I also went to see another one of my favorite movies of the year in theater for a second time. And I revisited a classic film and its two not-so-classic follow-ups. But first, the big anticipated summer blockbusters have all been released, so now can start anticipating some Oscar fare. Let's do that. A trailer came out this week for a movie reboot that looks really good. It's called Little Women. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Saoirse Ronan stars in this latest retelling of Louisa May Alcott's classic novel, not to be confused with the Little Women movies from 1918, 1933, 1949, the miniseries from 1978, the TV show from 1987, the 1994 movie starring Winona Ryder, or the movie from just last year with Leah Thompson. That is something. That must be up there with A Christmas Carol or Romeo and Juliet for the most versions of something. I didn't realize there were that many. That's a lot. <laughs> this newest movie is from Greta Gerwig, who has teamed up with Saoirse Ronan before. They made Lady Bird in 2017, one of my favorite movies of recent years. I suspect actually that will rank quite high when we do our best of the decade list later this year, Brett. Ronan plays Joe, one of the four sisters in Little Women. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe, and you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we It wouldn't be a disaster. We'd be miserable. I'd be a perfect saint. I can't. That's Timothy Chalamet as Laurie, the dude who's in love with her. The movie also stars Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Laura Dern, and Meryl Streep. I've never seen any of the other versions, nor have I read the book, so it'll sort of be neat to go in fresh on something as old as this. I mean, Joey had a spoiler on that episode of Friends, but the book was published in 1868, so I guess we can forgive him that. Little Women hits theaters Christmas Day. A new play written by Miss Joe Marsh. They have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. So you're going to go see it? I am going to go see it. Okay. I got a 
By now, we should know about Little Women, don't you think? Yes, I haven't. <laughs> Have you read it or seen any no, of that stuff? No, no, I have Just not seen any of the them. the death spoiler from Friends from twenty five years ago. I don't remember that either. Oh, so. it's one of the good ones. Uh, I remember it happening. I just don't remember <laughs> the spoiler. So, uh, another trailer releases week for some highbrow fare. It's the new film from Terrence Malick. He's the acclaimed director of Badlands, Days of Heaven, The Thin Red Line, and The Tree of Life. His new movie, A Hidden Life, is set in Germany at the beginning of World War II. Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle, my best dress. You looked at me and I knew how simple life was then. I don't think it's a coincidence at all that a movie about a German questioning his government as things take a dark turn comes out this year in America. However, it's not some fictional story made up to be a direct surrogate for modern times or anything. It is based on the very true story of a conscientious objector. You have a duty to the fatherland. The church tells you so. You cannot say no to your race and your hope. You are a traitor. I can't. Do you think your defiance will change the course of things? If God gives us free will, we're responsible for what we do, what we fail to do. It sounds a little subdued, but the trailer comes off more exciting. There's a lot of very gorgeous cinematography, which is a staple of Terrence Malick films. He is regarded as a master, but I'll admit I've only seen the thin red line of his, and that was 20 years ago. This looks really great, though. I'm definitely going to check it out when it comes out December 13th. I can't do what I believe is wrong. So as much as you like the Hobbs and Shaws yeah, of the yeah. world, Oscar bait is your jam. Oh, right? it's much more. It's, it's such a just much more fulfilling experience going to the movies and seeing something really good like that. And I fell into some weird Twitter hole this a uh, couple days ago where both these movies were showing up on people were making their lists of what they think might get nominated for best picture and stuff oh, like wow. that. And, was, and these were both on there. So, so yeah, it's starting to look good because it's because you know as well as I do the awards season pops up and it's like hey it's these 10 movies that no one's ever heard of before yep. until today so this one we're starting to maybe get a sneak peek of some of the stuff that might be out there and i think this is going to lead us into one that i'm i would almost bet the farm on this one already it's got to be this new tarantino movie once upon a time in hollywood i want to tell you it's official old buddy well, it has been what are you talking about man you're rick dalton don't you forget it. Here I come. Smooth leave. You're damn right. On July 26th, in a town of make-believe, things are about to get real. Charlie's going to dig you. Damn it. 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, of course, and if you haven't been paying attention, it's the movie that's set in Hollywood 1969. Leo's an aging actor, Brad Pitt's his best friend and a stuntman, and uh, they happen or Leo happens to live next door to Sharon Tate, and it's set in the summer of the Manson murders, and um, things take very weird twists and turns along the way. I saw it for the second time this week. Uh, we both talked about it last week. I gave it four and a half out of five. Yep. Christians, what'd you give it? Three and a half. Three and a half. So what, did you have a beef with it in particular? Too long? Uh, no, no, I didn't mind the length. I, I, I don't, And I realize that is always a common thing. Yeah. I, I think they could have, they could have cut it, but... There was a tug of war inside with me because I I think it could have been shorter, but I sort of liked how deliberate yeah. it was, and it was sort of relaxing. I found it to be soothing, so I didn't really have a beef with it. I think I just in the end I sort of wondered what was the point. <laughs> it didn't seem to the story that I thought they were building towards didn't really seem to go anywhere, and I, I yeah. get it that it maybe was more of a love letter to a long lost Hollywood, and they used the Sharon Tate situation as kind of a way to to yeah. p- to wrap that story up but i just i don't know i i, I liked it just didn't love it right on and I, I i thought i liked it a lot i thought it was i did think it was a little bit too long maybe uh, everyone seems to say it's that right in the middle when it's i won't get into spoilers but when leo's like on set doing some of his acting it's like 20 minutes of that and it just really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the story i think you could probably you probably could argue that it does in some regards or whatever, but I loved that part. I loved it too, and that's why I think he left it in there because it was very entertaining. But it was sort of it, the movie sort of just stops for a while while we just watch him be an actor in the world that he's created there. And uh, honestly, the second time I went to see it, that's when I went to the washroom because I was like, I know I'm not missing anything important again. There's nothing plot wise that's going to happen here. Uh, so that's when I went there. The first time you watched, I watched a movie. I was sort of. I'm not going to say agitated, but I was just like tense and heightened because it's like, I'm excited. It's a new Tarantino movie. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm just sort of a little bit on edge the whole way through because there's some a sense of dread because just because with the Charlie Manson of it all, it's like, and the Tarantino of it all, it's like any, you're just waiting for some violence to erupt at any moment. There's uh, a scene with Brad Pitt in the middle where he's with the hippie girls and just like, oh my God, is something horrible about to happen? It just feels like there's a sense of dread through a lot of that sort of stuff. So the second time around, I was much more relaxed because I knew when stuff was going to happen, when stuff wasn't going to happen. I didn't have to pay like try and pay super close attention to the plot and the story because i knew what it was and i could enjoy some of the nuances there and it's mind-blowing the the amount of detail that tarantino goes into with these things just like he takes four or five years between movies and you watch these things like oh that's why because i I don't even know how he does that it blows my mind i would like he should have to do a a day-by-day journal of how he's writing a story he should keep that and then release it after the story comes up so it sounds do you like it more i think i did just because i just i got into it more because i was much more relaxed watching it more and sort of watch now you do lose the surprise of it all and there's some real good surprises in this movie but uh yeah i and i thought the performances especially by brad pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were phenomenal. They need to get Oscar nominations. Leo won for his last movie. Can you believe that Re- The Revenant was his last movie? This four years ago. Anyway. Really? Yeah. And I don't think I've seen Brad Pitt in a leading role like this since Moneyball. Yeah, it's been a while. And he's and he did like that movie Fury, but nobody went to see it, right? And then he does little bit parts in uh, 12 Years a Slave and the, the whatever the big 
the big short was and things like that. So, yeah, see, and he's and he's awesome in this, and he's never won an Oscar. So that I think right now that's what I'm pulling for: Brad Pitt, Best Supporting Actor. He's wow. got to win it. Okay, and, okay. and and also at this point, I would say Tarantino, Best Director, because he says he's only doing one more movie, and if he goes his whole career and never wins Best Director, then there's something wrong with Hollywood. That would be a travesty, and Hollywood di- does like to reward movies <laughs> about Hollywood. Absolutely. So I wonder if he knows that, and that's why he decided, maybe I should set a movie there. Oh. The oh other my... weird thing about... Sorry. Just... I was just going to say, he's baiting the Oscars. Yeah. He's creating his own version of Oscar bait. And he sort of toned down a lot of the things that he's known for. Like, I mean, there's bl- violence in this, and some of it's pretty amazing, but there wasn't buckets and buckets of gushing blood like there was in The Hateful Eight, right? So I don't know if... That you put that in there for specifically to make a point like that, but um, and the other thing I was just going to say, this is the first movie he's made that wasn't a cowboy movie in a decade. He still hasn't made a movie set in modern times since Kill Bill. Oh, wow. I guess, well, I guess that Death Proof one with that I barely count that as a Tarantino movie just because it was uh, that Grindhouse thing. Yeah, it's weird. It, like because his last one was The Hateful Eight, then. The Django and Chain before that, and Inglorious Bastards before that. So, I'm just not interested in making movies set in modern times anymore. Apparently, who knows? We'll see what he comes up with for his what he's calling his tenth and final one. It may be that Star Trek movie, which would be the future, I guess. But well, hey, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one of Jeff's favorite movies yeah. in theaters right now. In a moment, we'll tell you which one of his favorite movies is coming home. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. Going to have a look at what is coming to home video. Jeff, you've got to be excited about this one. Oh, yes, I am. And coming up uh, on the 23rd, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Tick-tock, Mr. Wick. <laughs> Do you expect him to make it out? $14 million bounty on his head. And everybody in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even. Welcome back. Let's do this. John Wick, Chapter 3, rated R, May 17th. That's on Digital HD on the 23rd, which is next week, Friday, which is a weird time for them to release this. But hey, after you watch it, you're going to want two days off anyways to recuperate from it because it's awesome. It's uh, it's it's up and it's in the top three of the year so far. I wonder if it'll stay there. What are the, so Once Upon a Time yeah, in it, Hollywood? And Chapter 3 and uh, a mystery movie. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> probably... So it's top two then right now. Probably Endgame's up there too. Oh, so Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Okay. Also coming out on Digital HD on Tuesday the 20th, Booksmart, which is a very good movie. That's about uh, girls in high school on the last day getting into trouble. It's very funny. It's very poignant. There's the movie Ma, which is that horror thriller kind of deal, which was it was actually okay if you're into something. You saw it? Lighter horror. Yeah. Oh, fine. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe you went to see that because it looked like it had some. It was going to have some gross stuff in it. It had one very gross thing that I did not look, and I'm still a little bit uh, mad at my girlfriend because I was like, "Can I look yet?" And she said, "Yeah," and I should not have looked. Oh, <laughs> and she, she got you. Oh, she got me good. Um, and also on digital HD on Tuesday the twentieth, MIB International, the new Men in Black movie that really disappointed at the box office and with critics, just everything is. No one was interested in the new mesh, uh, Men in Black movie. No. for some reason. No, I wasn't interested at all. They, the third movie, I don't, I don't know that I ever actually saw the third I didn't. Men in Black, but I had 
didn't didn't really have any desire to go back to the well on this one. I don't think Men in Black screams franchise, at least yeah. big big franchise. So I hope they just let it go. The first one was good, and if it's on TV, I'll I'll if it's in front of my eyes, I'll watch it for a while. I don't know if I'll watch the whole thing, but yeah, it was weird. I think they will let it go after this because, like I said, no one went to it. Um, on Blu-ray DVD on the twentieth is A Dog's Journey, which I also saw. And if you're into dog movies, it's actually not that bad. So you... I've seen four of these five movies. Sorry, I'm just yawning here. (laughs) I'm thinking of Men in Black movies, and it put me to sleep. Ouch. You saw A Dog's Journey. You saw Ma. Yep. Your tastes have changed quite a bit since... Uh, uh, I don't get get to choose every movie, and I didn't choose either of those movies. Sometimes I'm just... Going along to the movies. Okay. Well, good for you for going. <laughs> yeah, it gives us something to talk about. There are a lot of the about. movies that you end up going to see. Are, if, like, if there was a movie I didn't want to see, I just wouldn't go. Yeah. Because I often go to the movies on my own, and I would just say, Absolutely. okay, you don't have to come watch the Avengers. Exactly. Sometimes if it's, like, there's there have been instances where I was like, yeah, we're not going to go watch that, because we can do better. <laughs> but watch right. John Wick Chapter 3 next Friday. Up next, Jeff Braun is very happy so far with one of the latest shows to hit your television, one of the latest reboots. Details next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. In a moment, we'll tell you which reboot Jeff is super excited about right now, but we want to start with not a reboot, but a follow-up, season two. Yes, season two of a Netflix show about serial killers back this weekend. It's called Mindhunter. It's a fictional show from uh, master director David Fincher about the early days of the FBI serial killer unit. January 1974. They'd just moved in two months prior. A partner and I were first on the scene. He was feeling for a light when something bumped him. That's when we found the little girl hanging from this pipe. Jesus. I found someone to take over who will be very good for the BSU. He wants to expand the unit, and he intends to make our approach practice. Tell me, who's the one you want more than anything? Manson. I'll get you, Manson. One more thing. Manson is small. Like, really small. Try not to stare. Mindhunter is about these two agents, one young, one older, and how they develop the FBI strategies for investigating serial killers. And just in a thing that made me feel old, the guy that plays the older one was a young guy in Fight Club. Every time I see him, all I think of is how young he was in Fight Club and how that must, that's like 15 years ago or 20 years ago now. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy. I don't know his name, but it's that guy. Um, a lot of the show involves them visiting these serial killers in prison and talking to them, trying to figure out what makes them tick. At the same time, they're brought in to help various law enforcement agencies investigate serial killings in their communities, and it deals with the personal lives of the agents as well. It falls into the good, not great arena, as a lot of Netflix show do. They might even think about naming the service B-minus or something, because that's what a lot of their shows are. But it is a unique kind of show. I found the first season more interesting than entertaining, and this year, as we heard in the clip, Charlie Manson figures into thing, into things. He's already behind bars in the timeline here, if the trailer's any indication. And interestingly enough, he's played by Damon Harriman, the same actor who plays him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that guy is portraying Charles Manson in two different things that are released at the same time, which must be the first time that's ever happened in the history of Hollywood. That's so weird. His name, by the way, is Holt McCallaghy. Or no, I just said the other actor. Yeah, I just, yeah. I got to look that up again. I had it, and then I closed the window. It was that sounds Holt right. McCallany. Holt McCallany. Yeah, that's and the I guy s- from Fight Club that you're and talking I about. And I swear the only two things I've seen him in are Mindhunter and Fight Club, and they're both Fincher things. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That is interesting. That I, must be how he got the job. I only ever watched one episode of Mindhunter. It was the first episode of the first season. Yep. And I liked it, and I, I thought it was great, but I found it... Too bleak? Not bleak. I don't know. I think it just it felt more like like a, a yeah a cold, and it was very much detailing the. It felt more like watching a case study, and I think that was. I mean, that's basically what a lot of this is, right? It's yeah. these various case studies, but it 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 felt more like I was um, watching a lesson or something, and I couldn't. I wasn't compelled to go back and watch it yeah. because it was interesting, but it wasn't binge worthy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify Mindhunter for myself. I'm not saying it should shouldn't be binge worthy for anybody else, but it's a lot to binge, and yeah. I just never went back to it. The darker shows, I have a very hard time binge watching. I prefer to just parse them out one a day, or at least one every couple of days, or even a week. So, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Here's one that uh, will only in its in the end be six episodes, which you could binge watch at some time. It's the reboot of Beverly Hills 90210. We have cameras and lights and we're actually gonna make a show. To go back and play those characters again didn't feel like enough, so we're changing things up. It was a surprise that all this came together. It feels good to be back with these people. It feels amazing being back with the gang doing the show. It feels like home. watch any of this yet? Not yet. I have three episodes of my PVR. All right. I'm really digging this new Beverly Hills 90210. It's the weirdest thing I've seen in a long time, and it's weird in a very fun way. We're going to get into some light first episode spoilers here, Brett. Sorry. Um, If you haven't heard, the show's back, but it's not a straight-up reboot or whatever. Rather, these actors play themselves, sort of. For example, Jason Priestley plays Jason Priestley, an actor who in the world of the show played Brandon Walsh on the original 90210 30 years ago. So now that does exactly mirror his life, but what does not mirror his life is that this wife he has on this show, it's a fictitious wife, so in the first episode when he cheats on her, it's not some cruel joke against his real wife, but instead it's a fictitious storyline. There's a lot of stuff like that uh, in regard. It's got this curb your enthusiasm kind of structure to it like that uh and of course while there are funny bits it's not comical as curb in fact like the og 90210 it's soapy in that teen drama way uh, and so when they do these weird things it's like oh well that would happen on a 90210 episode except instead of happening to brandon and uh, andrea it's happening to gabrielle and uh, <laughs> jason Priestley. uh so the premise is that they all get together for a reunion thing in vegas and now they want to launch a reboot of the show so it's like that season of curb your enthusiasm where the seinfeld cast reunited to make a new Seinfeld special. I don't mean to keep comparing it to Curb Your Enthusiasm, but that's what makes the most sense to me. The shock of it all, I thought, was very fun to me. I was impressed at how game everyone was, but honestly, why wouldn't they be? They've None of them are really headlining anything for a while now. They've got nothing to lose. In fact, when you do something creative and outside the box like this, there is only upside. Big swings that miss almost always at least garner respect from the audience that you went for it, so I think a straight-up reboot would have just been lame. The other thing I'm wanted to mention was how touching the Luke Perry mentions and tributes were. I nearly burst into tears twice watching that first episode, as did the cast by the looks of it. Uh, again, only a six-episode run, two or maybe three down now, a couple more to go, and I'm just looking forward to watching the rest of it. All right. Well, I have to 
get into that. I've been meaning to do it, yeah. but uh, I was actually doing a lot of catching up on this next show that you're going to talk about. Yes, it was the end of the road for a couch potato favorite this week, Global's Sherlock Holmes Police Procedural Elementary. After seven seasons... My name is Joan Watson. Sherlock Holmes. It's time to say goodbye. Your work has been some of the most rewarding of my career. The Elementary Series finale, Thursday. Yep. It was the seventh and final season. It was also only 13 episodes, and they burned them off over the summer. Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock and Lucy Lewis Watson were a great team all those years. And even though the crimes of the week were usually interesting enough, it was actually, I thought, their chemistry and all the surrounding story that kept me coming back all these years. You need a little something extra like that to boost what would otherwise just be a standard procedural and would get lost in the sea of all the other cop shows. The last couple of seasons I thought were very strong after a week fifth season that sort of relegated the show of the summer schedule, they let go, not entirely, but at least a little, of the notion that every week's crime had to be some brutal murder. So the last couple of years, you know, there'd still be a dead body every week, but something sometimes would be more incidental to the overall mystery of that episode. And now the hunt is on for a new weekly cop show. I guess we'll see if bunch of new ones next month when the new season starts um it also marks the ending of another one of our regular shows for me it's the fourth this year because there's game of thrones big bang theory veep and now this wow i know a few years ago that would sort of be a game-changing thing but it's just the world of tv is different now so i mean game of thrones and veep weren't even on last year so it's not like it was really steady viewing of late anyways and of course there's no shortage of other shows to watch which might actually be able to crack some the things that are on, been on my list for a while. I still haven't started Stranger Things of season three, so I should get to that soon, I hope. Where did you find this extended version of this theme oh, song? The YouTube's got all sorts of... This is a three-minute one. There's a six-minute one on there. Really? Yeah. And are these fan-made? Uh, I think some of them might be. I don't know if this is. This sounds legit. Yeah, because there, there's... It's got the strings and stuff, right? There is a weird-sounding instrument in there, though. Yeah, this. Listen to... It's from the guys that made that fringe one. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that sounds cornball. So up next, I want to tell you about the classic film that I watched and its two not-so-classic follow-ups. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. I got to tell you, it's a little surprising that it took me so long to get around to doing this because I was such a huge fan of the Hannibal TV show. You watched that too, right, Jeff? I did. Yeah, so that was a great show. Yeah, and I guess, well, I guess it's not too surprising. I haven't done this yet because I'm lazy. <laughs> the backstory here is that a couple of years ago, maybe even longer, maybe even three years, a buddy of mine bought me the 2001 film Hannibal for Christmas on Blu-ray. Anthony Hopkins reprising his role as Dr. Hannibal Lecter. We both liked the TV show, so he got it for me because I had seen The Silence of the Lambs before, but that's it. Problem was, I couldn't watch it until I rewatched 1991's The Silence of the Lambs. Right. And if I watched those two movies, I'd have to watch 2002's Red Dragon. Oddly enough, I have seen the prequel movie, Hannibal Rising. I went and saw that in 2007. Is that also Anthony Hopkins? No, it's a very uh, young man. It's like a young Hannibal and how he sort of began his journey to be a monster. So anyway, when I said I'd have to watch those two movies, Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon, my friend says, here, and he loans me the DVDs for (laughs) Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon. And there they have all sat together for a couple of years and a few months, respectively. Two weeks ago, he says to me, did you watch those Hannibal movies yet? 
Sick of the harassment, I finally watched The Silence of the Lambs. We're interviewing all the serial killers now in custody for a psychobehavioral profile. Could be a real help in unsolved cases. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. I want you to go after him again to Danny Asylum. And who's the subject? The psychiatrist, Hannibal Lecter. hunting that new one, Buffalo Bill. What a naughty boy he is. Do you know why he's called Buffalo Bill? This one likes to skin his humps. Most serial killers keep some sort of trophies from their victims. I didn't. No. No, you ate yours. Did you ever see Silence of the Lambs? I love this movie. I've seen it a bunch of times, yeah. Okay, well, Oscar-winning powerhouse starring... Jodie Foster as FBI agent in training Clary Starling, who needs help to catch a killer. From Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter, Lecter, a.k.a. Hannibal the Cannibal, a brilliant psychiatrist who killed and ate a lot of people. I did have to look away a bunch of times when I watched this movie. Really? When he starts eating faces, I can't watch it. That's true, yeah. I mean, hey, the movie won all the big awards at the Oscars. Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Adapted Screenplay. It's only one of a handful of movies to have done it. 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It is viewed as a classic, but I confess I had only seen it the one time and I saw it like God, I, in the early 1990s, so I was just a teenager when yeah. I saw this, and I, I I don't know why I've never gone back to watch it, although it does, maybe it's because it feels like one of those movies that I have seen more. Because- it leaves such a deep impression, I think, that yeah, it feels like it, like you just remember most of it. Well, so many, so much of it. You know what I mean? Like, and not only that, but the clips that we that are shown yeah. throughout the years. It's just True. one of those classic films, like this particular classic we've all heard a thousand times. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yep. Probably why they mail out the census thing now. <laughs> People refuse to go door to door. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs has amazing performances. It's tense. It's taut. It's scary at the end. Yeah. I like some of the noir elements that are the feeling that it had. I think maybe a couple of corny things in terms of its filmmaking techniques, but whatever. It didn't feel dated. Overall, it's wonderful and still holds up as an absolutely chilling story. Uh, so having watched Silence of the Lambs, I could finally get around to watching Hannibal. The person I'm looking for is quite well known. He's killed 14 people that we know of. You ever think he might come after you? At least 30 seconds of every day. Hello? Is this Clarice? Directed by Ridley Scott. I remember the excitement surrounding this movie and then the collective disappointment when the reviews were mostly bad. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jodie Foster didn't come back to reprise her role, so Julianne Moore replaced her. I don't know that I would say it was bad, but certainly not great. Did you see it? That one I didn't see because that one, 
Is is this the one where he's uh, eating brains out of a guy's skull at the dinner table? Yep. I think they put something like that in the trailer, and I was like, nope, no thanks. This is just a gore fest. I'm out. It was lacking something, I thought, this movie. And I think maybe it was a bit of Hopkins' performance. Not to say it was that his performance was bad. He was still fun, but I just don't think he was quite as fun. He seemed to lack the edge that he had in the first movie. And the story just kind of, I think it was too familiar for me because they used the events of this movie in the TV show. Yeah. They readapted them for the TV show, so I was essentially familiar with everything that was happening. Obviously, it was just in a movie, and it was shorter format and different actors, like Gary Oldman playing the character Mason Verger, who was a disgusting character in the TV show, also a disgusting character. And I don't mean because he is physically disfigured. I mean, he is a disgusting, evil person who gets his just desserts, so to speak. And then finally, uh, 2002's Red Dragon, when I picked up the DVD and saw Brett Ratner directed it, (laughs) I thought, how do they go from Ridley Scott to Brett Ratner? Two families killed a month apart in their homes. These attacks were highly organized. The victims carefully chosen. This one is going to go on and on. That's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court. I need your advice, Dr. Lecter. If you recall well, our last collaboration ended rather messily. How is young Josh and the lovely Molly? They're always in my thoughts, you know. Yeah, so I actually liked it better than Hannibal. Ray Fiennes in particular as the Tooth Fairy, or the Red Dragon, was chilling. Open your eyes. No. I am the dragon. Give me what I need. Before me, you tremble. Although on the subject of fines, when is he anything less than superb? That he was in this movie almost made me go see it. Because, really? Yeah, because I because like you said, he's good in everything. Yeah, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman too was in this. The late also Philip Seymour everything. Hoffman as a greasebag tabloid journalist, he was amazing. But again, though, the same basic events were used in the TV show, so I found myself comparing it and thinking, yeah, the show did this better. And I think it's partly too just like when you watch a movie after having read a book. Yeah. So that you you just look at all the things that they cut out or just the way that the book is able to expand on things. So that's what they did with the TV show. They took these things and expanded on them. I mean, the movies are all based on books. I don't know how closely the television show follows the books or whatever. But uh, I liked Red Dragon. Hannibal was okay. I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. Red Dragon was pretty cool, but The Silence of the Lambs... Cream of the crop. ...takes the cake. Still uh, classic. If you haven't watched it in a while, you should. Up next week, Jeff has a mystery movie that he wants to tell you about, Mm -hmm. which he watched. I actually don't know what it is. It's a mystery to me, too. So I'm going to find out next week right along with you. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.